thank goodness for that. Winter is finally over. I'm Helen Pidd and this is The Guardian's Bike Podcast, coming to you from the saddle of my red German Fahrrad sit-up-and-beg bike. On today's show, Peter Walker goes horizontal on a recumbent. More like a bath chair or something. And I, <laughs> I feel like I could have a nice doze while cycling along. And Olympic legend Chris Boardman tells us how he bonked on a Tour de France climb. If you haven't done the miles for the training for this, then you will be on empty after half distance and you've still got to go up this mountain. But first, the politicians may still be worrying about the economy, but it doesn't seem to be bothering bike-loving, coffee-swilling entrepreneurs. At least three cycle cafes have opened in London so far this year, offering cyclists a nice cup of tea and a sit-down while they get their brakes tweaked. But why the trend for mixing baked goods and bicycling? Our bike podcast producer, Francesca Panetta, dropped in on some of these new establishments to find out more. Well, my first stop is at the Towpath Cafe. It's a bike cafe that opened about three weeks ago and it's on my route on the way to work on the Regent's Canal. I haven't had a chance yet to stop and give it a go. I'm not quite organised enough to leave enough time before I get to work. But now here's a perfect excuse to try a cup of coffee here and see how it's going down. Glad to see you've got your copy of The Guardian there. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> did you cycle down here? I did, yes. I've started coming here when the weather's fine almost every morning. I don't know, it's not on my route anywhere. I just come because it's a 10-minute ride from home and so I get a bit of exercise and a delicious breakfast. What's for breakfast today? Well, today I've got porridge with fresh pear and a dollop of yoghurt and organic apple juice and a green tea. Um, My name's Laurie DeMori and we're on the towpath between Broadway Market and Islington. I lived in Italy for a long time where um, they're quite genius at making fantastic use out of minuscule places and so I thought it's tiny but I think that we can do what we need to do here. And a few metres down there is a bike shop. Do you want want to take me down and and show me? Sure. This is James Addison and he's the bike shop is called Root Canal. So James, tell me a bit about the bike repair shop and what you do there. Mainly just stop and go repairs for passing commuters. Um, Obviously there's a lot of passing trade here. So Laurie and I were talking about the tiny little spaces that you've got here in these buildings next to the the canal. Um, You have a very small space too. Do you have enough room for a, a proper workshop? What do you have in there? Yeah, no, I'm fully kitted out with everything that a workshop would need. You just have to be quite creative with the space when you've not got much of it. Yeah, I think it's working quite well, and and luckily we've got a little space outside that's covered, which is nice to work in in the sun. So the next bike cafe on my route today is Foffa Bikes, uh, which has just been opened by Danny Foffa, an Italian bike maker. He's been making single speed bikes for the last three years, but he's just opened a brand new bike cafe down by Oldgate East. The thing that really marks this bike cafe out from, from other ones is it very specialised bikes, isn't it? Because you build these bikes and you have been building fixed wheel bikes yes. for the last three years and that really is the focus of this shop isn't it? Yes, I think we have about 19,000 combinations in stock 
And uh, the idea is to be able to come down, you have a laptop, you can sit down on your couch while you have your coffee and you can uh, go through all the different options. And then uh, if they feel like it, they can obviously just sit here for the next hour or two, depending how long it takes me to actually build the bike and they can see the bike build, being built up from scratch. You can build a bike in an hour or two? Yeah, I'm got pretty good at it. <laughs> So we are actually tucked around here off the main street under the railway arches. How are people going to find you? Yes, I mean, to be fair, uh, we have Cable Street just from the corner, which is one of the main cyclist lanes. And I guess you've got a big customer base because you've been making bikes for the last three years. That's right. I think word of mouth for this type of business uh, seems to work quite a bit. As long as you make your customer happy, then uh, they will come back to you and tell their friends. Well, Danny said he would build me one of his bikes when I went back to Foffa, and I am quite tempted despite being a Brompton devotee. But onwards to Old Street, where another new bike cafe, Look Mum No Hands, is having its launch party. And I want to find out from its owners, Matt and Sam, what marks it out from the others I've seen. As you can see, it's quite large. She's uh, one of the main uh, features and something we're hoping to use to our advantage because it's big enough to hold various events. This is like our little gallery space at the end of the corner. Main feature of this is our huge screen, which is our pride and joy at the moment. We had it installed maybe two weeks ago and it's been going really well for us. We've shown a couple of cycle sport events. We had the uh, Amstel Gold, the Paris-Roubaix, and we're really looking forward to the Giro, which starts in a couple of weeks, and that's three weeks of uh, great cycle sport on our screen, kind of all afternoon, we hope. And it's not just coffee. If we walk over here to the bar, I can see Lewin, who um, is also one of the partners of Look Mum No Hands. So you've got your fair trade coffee, like all of the bike cafes, I must say, that I've visited today. You've got beer, you've got wine, and some food as well. Yeah, we're, we're sort of going for this continental cafe feel and uh, we've got these amazing platters which we serve on slates. Stuff that's great to eat when you're uh, drinking beer. Now Sam, you're the resident mechanic, just show me the facilities we've got here. Okay, we've got a small workshop, but a um, bit of a mess at the moment. Everything off the shop floor has been stuffed into my corner. But the idea is actually to work out on the shop floor, kind of in the cafe, rather than your normal mechanic who's stuffed away in a horrible little dark room. But um, I'm actually going to be out here on show actually in the cafe. Kind of inspiration was like the, the open kitchen. So um, you can see the mechanic in the corner fettling away with the bicycles and that means I can actually talk to people and interact with people on the shop floor a little bit. Um, I, yeah, I didn't want to be uh, stuffed in a darkened room with no one to talk to. Hello there, you've come down to the launch of this new bike cafe. What do you think? It's fantastic, it's just what we need. It's a place where cyclists can come, have a beer, have something to eat and um, there's cycling, there's the Tour de France on, there won't be any mention of the World Cup. Finally, let's just, let's just talk about the economics of it. I mean, how much do you imagine your revenue coming from the cafe, how much from the bikes, what, uh, what's, what's really going to bring in the money? Uh, well, I mean, obviously we've had a, we, we've thought about this, we'll, we'll see what happens on the night. But I think uh, we're imagining it to be about a 20-25% workshop. We'll see. Um, <laughs> it's very much a, a case of let's see what happens. Hopefully you won't end up behind the coffee counter rather than the bike mechanic counter. Well, I'd like to think that we can all do everything in the cafe and we can all multitask. And I have been practicing my, um, my lattes, but hopefully my hand, I'll be too busy most of the time and uh, my hands will be too oily to actually step anywhere near the pastry counter. Now, from London to the Wirral. 
Chris Boardman is one of the UK's all-time greatest cyclists. He first caught the nation's attention in 1992 when he won Britain's first cycling gold medal in 72 years at the Barcelona Olympics. He then went on to wear the yellow jersey in the Tour de France three times. Now, since retiring from professional cycling 10 years ago, he's divided his time between commentating on TV and designing bikes. And he's been working with the British cycling team on research and development in his famous secret squirrel club. And he's also lent his name to a range of bikes sold in Holfords. His latest invention is a brand new selection of women's bikes, which are available in shops from May. I joined him at the launch to talk about his lifelong obsession with bike design. I designed um, some of my own components that I rode in the Tour de France. I found that I couldn't get low enough at the front of my bike with standard components, so I designed and had made a special pair of forks and handlebars all in one, and I used those in the Tour de France. So I've always enjoyed the design element of it, and making things, to be honest. I mean, prior to, to being a cyclist, I'm a carpenter, so I used to love making things from wood as well. And it's starting with a blank piece of paper, drawing out a design and then taking it to realisation. It doesn't really matter the medium, be it, be it text for an article or, or a bike or being out of wood. That whole process is what's, what makes me passionate and enjoy it. I mean, from hearing you talk, it seems as if maybe the cycling career is sort of a blip in a lifetime of passion for design. It certainly, I would like to think, it's not the be-all and end-all. Um, that was, in a, in a sense, it was the same thing. It was exploration of what I was capable of. And every time we, I went out and, and did something, myself and coach Peter Keane go, right, what just happened? What did we expect to happen? Pull it apart. What can we do better? And off we go. And it, it melodramatic it might sound, but it, the journey was more important than the destination. You know, And it was that fascination with, with trying to be better. And my career ended... Certainly not sadly in any way, but it ended when we thought, right, that's it, can't do anymore. And my passion started to wane, and it was time to find other things. And this is just a, another outlet for the same kind of mentality to make things and, and explore what could be done. And, and this whole female range is the same thing. Oh, I'm sure we could do that better. What could we do? And go out and test it and listen to people and, and make some bikes. One of the famous successes for Boardman bikes was Nicole Cook winning her gold um, road medal at, at Beijing. I mean, the bikes that we're looking at here, your um, your women's range, how the top of the range carbon bike, is that more or less the same one that Nicole won on? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a very, very first statement. The, the, the frames can come out of the same mould, literally out of the same mould that, uh, that produced Nicole Cook's bike. There's a difference in carbon where we had to produce a special mould to be the right size and the right handling for her and that same mold is being used to produce bikes for the women's range now the exciting thing about that was the bike that she used you could go into Halford and buy it you know which is an amazing thing to be able to say and I think also that we had to add lead to it to bring it up to the legal weight limit of 6.8 kilos yeah and those bikes you can go and buy in Halfords which is pretty exciting to be able to do that Olympic standard you know in this range and I mean how much would it cost me if I wanted to get my paws on a Nicole Cook bike if you wanted exactly the same bike as Nicole it's 3299 now which is a pretty damn good price for uh, for a bike of that level do you think it would turn me into an sort of Olympic medal? I think I think it, the bike is part of the part <laughs> of the equation. And we saw an opportunity really. We thought nobody's. We don't think anybody's really done it properly and committed to a proper range of, of female bikes that um, that are just subtly different. You know, we, there's no massive differences to make. There's some sizing changes that need to be done. There's some angles. There's, there's different lengths of, of cranks, different saddle, narrower bars. But put all those things together. To, to make a product that's genuinely suited to, to females. It's not patronising in that we haven't uh, tried to say, OK, every woman wants a big fat saddle and everybody wants to sit upright. They handle properly, they handle just like um, the men's bikes, but they're just scaled to fit the female form. 
So obviously talking to you, it's, it's, it's clear that you're really passionate about all the aspects of design. What about cycling though? Do you still like getting on your bike? Well, I've just spent the whole last week in Scotland, um, literally riding nearly every, well, every day. Um, and I do enjoy it. Yeah, I've been, I've been out. I like going off-road a lot. Not so much the really nasty, dangerous kind of off-road, but forestry tracks. And, and I really enjoy it. And it's, the last week's been brilliant. So I'm, I'm just getting fit to see what challenges there are this year. But it's good to be able to test the product as well, to be able to use it and, um, and see if there's any tweaks that we'd like to make for the next versions. And there always is. It's a never-ending process. Yeah, I, I run an awful lot, but I had to stop because of a cycling injury. So bike riding now is, is just... I'm almost rediscovering it to the level that I used to do. Because mm, I remember seeing on the Tour de France coverage, you were interviewed after you'd done the attack going mm. up Ventoux. Yeah. Whoever it was um, asked you, did you enjoy it? And you were like, absolutely not. It was a nightmare. No, I mean, okay. The attack was um, was an extreme case. And there's so much on for working with the British cycling team. There is only so much time you can ride a bike. So something like the attack de Tour, um, which is you know up to eight and a half hours long and it finished up a two-hour mountain climb up Montfort too. That was, I knew what was coming. Unfortunately, experience tells you that if you haven't done the miles for the training for this, then you will be on empty after half distance and you've still got to go up this mountain. And, uh, and that's exactly what happened. You bonked, did you? I did, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Right at the foot of this climb that then went on and on. It was a bizarre experience to be surrounded by bodies, literally hundreds and hundreds of people in silence suffering all the way up. But uh, yeah, it was an experience. Probably one to be repeated, no doubt. I remember reading a piece by William Fotheringham, the Guardian's uh, cycling correspondent. He thought you never enjoyed racing, you just enjoyed winning. Is that fair? No, it's it's not actually completely fair. Unfortunately, I, I suffer from terminal sarcasm and, and often people do take me very literally. I really enjoy the exploration and trying to get better in what I'm doing and there's a fascination with the process. I've almost forgotten the result and I'm thinking about how did that result come about? How can we make it better when other people want to focus on the, the their emotion on the actual result itself? And I'm already past that thinking about the next thing. So it can be seen as uh, somewhat dispassionate, but no, not at all. So the countdown has begun, about two years now, until the London Olympics. How do you think we're going to fare? Are we going to match the success of Beijing? Well, we set the bar very, very high. You know, that, that is always the problem with setting new records. It was the most successful British Olympic team ever. So to match that, even to even get close to that, is really quite something. But I have to say, everything at the moment is, is really on track. Everybody's in good shape. Luckily, all the people in Beijing, or the majority of the real high performers, were of an age where they could do it again. We have uh, enough of a young contingent coming through to fill, to plug any holes, uh, and they're performing incredibly well already. So um, the prospects are actually very, very good. I would say that we at least have the possibility to get as close as we did to the, to the quantity of medals that we saw in two. 2008 but we had some luck in 2008 involved as well that uh, helped us get there so if we get the same level of luck you can see a similar similar kind of result. I'm John Snow I anchor Channel 4 News and I ride to and from work and at work. I mean you always want to be able to have the facility to carry more on a bike than you really can there's a particularly cheap cleaners around here who are very, very good. So I bring all my cleaning in there because it's at least half the price it is in Chalk Farm. I'd like a mechanism for carrying it, but I haven't really come up with it. Instead, I hang great sort of carrier bags from it. I must look like a bag man. Finally, to our Guardian reporter, Peter Walker, who is hopelessly devoted to his road bike. It's carried him over some of the Lake District's most gruelling passes, as well as to work each day. So how would he cope on a completely different kind of bike? 
we sent him for a spin on a recumbent tricycle to see how he would get on riding this deck chair on three wheels. Well, it's a slightly chilly Saturday morning and we're in Richmond Park in uh, London's kind of uh, western uh, edge. And like lots of people in Richmond Park, we're going to be going for a uh, bike ride. There's, there's, a, there's a quite well-known um, uh, loop round Richmond Park, which is about six or so miles. Lots of club uh, riders go there every uh, Saturday morning. But we're doing slightly something slightly different today. There's two of us out and we've got one normal-looking road bike, but Barry here is, is sat in something which is one of the strangest cycling creations I've ever seen. Could you describe the way you're sat and what you're actually in? Well, I'm sort of reclining in a, in a deck chair uh, position in this sort of three-wheeled um, recumbent bicycle, um, which I, I guess you sort of think of the three-wheelers and think something like uh, the Sinclair C5, but this is much more relaxing. It's more like a bath chair or something, and I, and I feel like I could have a nice doze while cycling along. You're in a cycling position, you've got your feet clipped in the pedals, but you're really incredibly low to the ground. I mean, your, your bum's about an inch off the ground, and you really are leaning quite far back. Does it feel quite strange to ride in that chair position? Uh, it does, yeah, it feels a little precarious, and like I say, it's, um, you know, it is such a relaxing position, but I'm not sure I can motivate myself to go very far. <laughs> well, it's actually me who's been uh, nominated to, to try and do the first lap in this crazy machine. I'm sat in it now, trying to clip my feet to the pedals. Right, there we go, and it does feel really odd, you're so low to the ground. It's got these two kind of 20-inch wheels at the front, these very small ones, and this very big full-size wheel at the back, so it looks like you're kind of riding a, uh, riding a dragster. So we're just going to miss a car. I'm not even on the track yet, and I'm slightly concerned. Alright, sorry, I'm just going to... Uh, right, well that's the first um, six-mile lap of Richmond Park done. We did it at quite a pace, you can hear I'm still slightly uh, out of breath. Um, and my first impressions were that was really, really good fun. It was quite hard for me to tell how quick we were going, but you reckon, Barry, we are going a little bit slower than we would normally, do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the super speedy cyclists will whiz, whiz around there in about 15 minutes, but, you know, I think we took about 20, 25. It's, it was a fair pace, though, I and mean, you overtook two people at one, one time. Well, one woman in a legendary Saturday morning cycle and a guy with, uh, guy with panniers on the back of his bike, so maybe it wasn't the best thing ever. <laughs> with his underpants hanging out as well. <laughs> um, and the impression, initial impression I got of uh, riding it is, apart from the fact it's, it's, it's really great fun, it's, it's surprisingly precise to, to ride because it's a chain. It's what, it's about 20 foot of chain going all the way from the pedals which are stuck out right in front. Um, where, you, where your feet are all the way to the back but the gear changing is very precise the gears are very good it feels slightly odd that when you're on a camber and you kind of lean it feels a bit weird and the steering which is these two kind of handlebar controls which are on either side of your legs kind of roughly at knee point it feels slightly twitchy but that's just a question of getting used to it really overall it was it was it was really good i mean it's not a racing machine but i can imagine like a long tour it'd be really good fun now, do you reckon you're going to strap yourself into the into the carbon fibre seat and give it a go, do you reckon? Yeah, I'm still a bit wary. I mean, you're getting some bemused looks from the other cyclists, so it is sort of like turning up to a Gymkhana with a zebra. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that was actually one thing I was going to uh, ask you too, because I couldn't really tell, because I was kind of bouncing around at about kind of knee-height to all the cyclists. Were some of them giving us, what, what do you reckon, scornful looks or well, just I, I, think, looks? I, I think there was a, a, a mix of sort of uh, amusement pity and, uh, and contempt. <laughs> that maybe says more about the racing cyclists you get in Richmond Park on a Saturday morning. Right, let's, uh, let's swap bikes and uh, give it a try. Okay. My name is Ben Rotheray and I'm from Inspired Cycle Engineering. We're a recumbent trike and bike manufacturer based down in Cornwall. So just talking about some of the fe features on these trikes, uh, this trike here has uh, the front and rear road, road resp response suspension, which obviously gives a com comfortable ride. And both the trikes actually fold, actually fold as well. Right. And the main benefit of a recumbent trike is it's more comfortable. 
uh, because there's less frontal, frontal area, it has better aer aerodynamic efficiency and it makes a fantastic machine for kind of long tours or actually just a fast day while getting out there and going for it. Uh, and recumbent bikes in particular have got this slight image of being this kind of machine that which are kind of loved by people who have kind of you know sheds full of tools and old bits of bikes and yep. kind of bike nuts but you're saying that you sell quite a lot of these just to kind of ordinary everyday enthusiasts. Absolutely you know we, t we, we tend to find once people get riding them the benefits sell themselves really you know we, we get them on the on the trike get, get them out riding and they're massively popular particularly in America you know a lot of people kind of will come and look at a trike they'll take them for a test ride and they'll realize actually it's massively comfortable it's quick and it's great fun so they get out there and ride. <laughs> it's got oh. the turning circle of an oil tank. Oh dear! Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're heading for a car. Pushing backwards. Here yeah. we go. Pushing backwards. It's not like a bike. It's it's right. And let's propel him forwards. Oh, oh, oh I think dear. we startled the dog. And here we go. <laughs> I need a handbrake as well. There's a nicer little mirror here, so you can actually see how foolish you look while you're cycling <laughs> along. <laughs> Cool. Right then Barry, your lap done on the recumbent and you did really well, you uh, overtook a couple of pairs of quite serious looking racing cyclists. What was it like? Well, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I think it, it definitely uses muscles that you don't normally use when you're, you're cycling your normal bike and I'm, I'm going to feel that in my legs tomorrow. <laughs> oh, but um, it's pretty good fun. Uh, I mean, maybe you weren't going that fast but when you're that close to the ground it really feels like you're whooshing along. And, Going down the hills, it's like it's like tobogganing down. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I guess the thing that you also found was that on the kind of straights and um, uh, down the hills, it was pretty quick. Up the hills, was slightly slow. I guess because you can't just you know move your position and stand up in the pedals. Then. Well, that's it. Uh, uh, you mentioned when we we're going round. I'm a real grinder, and I just like to stand in the pedals and put my weight into it. <laughs> you can't do that. You just sat down, and you just got to rely on pushing those legs out, and uh, that's a real strain. So you really slow down. I mean. Uh, six miles is all we did and I'm quite glad when it's over. I can see you getting into that and being lots of fun if you got fit and exercised the right muscles, but uh, for now, six miles is enough. But I mean, the other thing that I could maybe think, because you look quite comfy, I mean, the seat is quite comfortable. Could you imagine maybe, I don't know, strapping on some panniers and going for a kind of leisurely tour on it? Very leisurely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, because, you know, on, on a pleasant day with a straight road in front of you and, uh, and a nice sit down, it's, uh, it'll be quite pleasant watching the world go by from down there, as long as not too many cars whizzing past you. That's all from this month's bike podcast, which was produced by Francesca Panetta. We'll be back next month with more two-wheeled action. Until then, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>